Hi, and welcome to Driving Leadership. I'm David Foster. I'm Mike Metcalf. And I'm Sean Pete. Today, we want to talk about a particular part of the art form that hiring is. It's one of the decision-making criteria that's kind of summarized by a common phrase, always hire somebody who's smarter than you are. And we're going to try as hard as we can to stay away from the bad stories about teams and businesses that crashed up on the rocks of despair when they never hired people who were smarter than they were. But what we do want to talk about is what hiring smarter means, especially hiring a specialist who can excel in different areas than you can as a leader, because you have the duties to manage it and coordinate it and make it reach the business goals. So we want to talk about why it's critical, what happens if you don't, and what happens if you do. So I will leave it to my esteemed co-hosts to start the discussion of why it's critical. I mean, it's critical because it's necessary, A, for the performance of the organization, but then B, just for individual performance. Um, When you know you're going into an environment where there's a cap, um, that affects people. You know, they're not going to necessarily push. You know, they maybe feel like, well, if I outwork or outperform, um, there's no way for me to go because then that gets up to where the president is and, you know, no one gets past him. So um, it's that whole analogy of uh, fleas being created to jump long distances. Uh, They don't Mm -hmm. fly. Fleas have Mm -hmm. really strong legs, right? If you put one in a cup and put a top on it, it'll jump just enough to hit its head. Um, and once it conditions itself that way, you can pull that top off and that thing that's created to soar will never jump any higher than what that lid suggested that it could jump. And so we do this in our organizations um, kind of un- unknowingly sometimes when we are afraid to, to take that leap. And, and we talked about it on the pre-call that our brains run on stories. Um, and one of the stories is, yes. is that if I hire people smarter than me, then I'll, I'll lose my position or authority or control or whatever those things are. And, and just, I just have found that that's rarely true. Yeah. And David, I think one of the things that helps me understand this, this whole idea is when we look at, um, look at your team and, and kind of look at it like, like it's an orchestra, right. And you being the conductor of that mm-hmm. orchestra, mm-hmm. right. Great leadership doesn't mean you have to be the best trumpet player and the best flute player and the best drum, you know, best at the drums and the best trumpet. That's not what that is. It's going out and finding the best tuba player and the best trumpet player and the best clarinet player. And you lead them through that music sheet, right? That's that's what this is. And I think the reluctance starts, like Mike said, with a scarcity mindset, right? It starts with, we tell ourselves there's a story, and if we bring in someone smarter, we're going to lose our job, right? Mm-hmm. That's scarcity. What if we looked at it from an abundance mindset, and it's, you know what? If I bring someone in smarter, we're going to do better, and we're all going to get more. And if I bring another smart person in, we're going to do even better, and we're all going to get more, right? Like, I think it really starts with some fundamental ideas of what leadership is and you know, how high-functioning teams are really kind of put together. That definition of what leadership is, I think, is a really critical piece of what you're saying because if you are the head of a department, your job is to lead the department. It's not your job to do 
other people's jobs. And your success, like your personal success as a leader, is really defined by how well everybody on the team works together, that, that coordinated and cumulative work output. And while it may be the case that you've got some experience or you've got some knowledge that some people on your team could use or don't have yet because they're younger or less experienced, the goal is not to build a team so that when you have a meeting, you're the smartest person in the room because that's, that's not going to help. And, and Mike, to your point, hiring is one of the biggest effects on culture that there is. Who you bring in, yep. how you bring them in, that affects what your company is like. And, you know, as we discussed on the culture episode, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. You, you can't have, you can't execute a good idea with bad culture. Right. And, and we were talking about this this morning. Uh, who you hire, how you hire them, and then the standard that you hold them to from the very, very beginning um, sets the tone and trajectory, you know, right out of the gate. And so uh, these are important topics. Yeah, and yeah. David, you know, I think we're an authority to speak on them because Mike and I, every person we've hired is smarter than us. Now, they're, they're, one disclaimer, I spent 10 years of my life getting punched in the face, and that's not exactly vitamin C, right? So that wasn't a, that wasn't a long reach for us, but uh, I think, Mike, we're pretty flawless in that, that we've, we've yeah. hired smarter people. Except the one guy who thought it was, um, he thought the Black Lives Matter movement was Black Lives Matter. So with the exception of that guy, I think we've, yeah. we're, we're, we're pretty flawless at this, uh, to this he's, end. He's not with us anymore. Well, I, I have to agree that <clears throat> I, I don't think I've been punched in the face, at least professionally, as much as you have, Sean. <laughs> but, you know, I think that when, when I'm in a position to hire somebody, I want to make sure that they bring something and they know something and they have something that I just don't. Yeah. Because you want to you grow the organization. And with that idea of, a leader's job is to manage and coordinate and orchestrate, to borrow your term, a lot of strong performers. That, that requires certain things of us as leaders. Trust, humility, some ethical grounding, the ability to truly delegate so that your new intelligent employee has ownership of what they're doing. And it, it also requires us to be able to I, I'm struggling with the best way to put it, but it's something like truly praise. Like not, not that sort of cocktail party, Facebook thumbs up, like, oh yeah, great job. Not that. But to be able to communicate, I really appreciate what you did here and the team really appreciates it. And let me make sure you understand how valuable your actions were. I mean, and that, things like that just send, that's, that's building culture. That's establishing that this, these kind of efforts and this kind of work is rewarded here. And, and that resonates in your, in your culture, right? People start to, oh, man, I wonder, you know, if I'm, if I'm pushing and trying to be brilliant and, and, and thinking vertically and coming up with good ideas that are moving the needle, um, 
that that's just what we do here. Um, it's just, you know, we run into companies a lot of times where people are just trying to check the box and get from Monday to Friday. And, and that's just not, you know, exercising the fullness of what our brains are capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dave, what I think you're talking about is being psychologically astute, right? Lincoln was talked about as being psychologically astute, mm-hmm. right? His emotional mm-hmm. intelligence was off the charts. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, um, you know, when he um, built his cabinet, once he became president, he grabbed all his rivals from the 1860 yeah. Republican Party, mm-hmm. right? Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote about it in Team of Rivals. And he brought on people that were smarter than him, that disagreed with him, mm-hmm. because he wanted his viewpoint to be challenged, and he wanted to expand. He wanted to expand, and he wanted to minimize his blind spots. And the more ideas that were in the room, the better ideas they would come up with for the country. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's such a great example of exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get too far down the road, when I see or hear hiring someone smarter. I mean, let's unpack that just for a second, right? Because that could be um, smarter intelligence. That could be qualifications. That could be emotional intelligence. Um, that could be just, you know, they're an authority in an, an area that you are not, such as like thinking of what Sean just said from a diversity standpoint. Somebody's got completely different experiences or viewpoints. And so you can't always get all of that in one person, but these are at least qualifications that you should be looking for, you know, as you're hiring, you know, just in general. I, w- I won't tell Dara you said that, but okay. I get exactly what you mean, right? <laughs> I think that what we're talking about sort of around the edges is a leader's ability to limit or control his or her own ego. I mean, yeah, I, as, as the starting blocks, absolutely. Yep. So in, in some ways, a leader has to check that as much as they have to check the emotional intelligence, capability, you know, reputation, skill set, knowledge, all that other sort of stuff, right? Because if I'm going to be uncomfortable hiring somebody who can do or say or exist or manipulate in a positive way better than I can, that's the, that's the first thing I have to deal with. Because if I'm uncomfortable with that and I actually make myself hire the person, uh, there's, a, there's a tough day coming because you have to be able to control your ego to have the team's goals and purpose be higher than your own. Yep. Absolutely. But but just just you know just as hard as you look for intelligence, you look for integrity to couple with that intelligence. Yeah. Right? You, like you said, you're not looking for a smart master manipulator. You're looking for someone who wants to be part of something bigger than themselves. And the fact that they're brilliant is a bonus to you. And 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 again, it's bringing that person on, but making sure with that intelligence comes all these other variables that that make it successful, right? Having mm-hmm. a highly intelligent person that's not a great teammate, isn't collaborative, um, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about highly intelligent, highly collaborative, um, high level of integrity, um, psychologically astute. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I think, uh, I think those, those are some of the things that um, are certainly coupled with, you know, going after intelligent people. Yeah. And there's a, there's a practical reason for all this. If you own a business or you are on the hook for the team performance, it is not 
a scalable thing to be able to do all of your employees' jobs. It's not, it's not conducive to good performance. And, and having that kind of, I don't know, having that kind of approach or relationship with them almost necessarily means something like micromanagement, if not being judgmental. And, you know, people are really intelligent. They know whether they're trusted. They know if they actually have ownership in a certain area. They know if their leader is uncomfortable or ego-driven. And so if you want your team to do well, if you want your business to do well, this is in some ways almost a no-brainer. It just helps so much with, uh, I think we talked before about how racing is uh impossible to do at a high level without spotters right because your your view as one individual is limited <clears throat> so having other people that understand what's going on around you is so important and so important and, and and it can let you know where your blind spots are and you know when when we're doing what David and Sean are saying those blind spots disappear right because you just have so much talent and intelligence and integrity around you to keep you know performance at a high level when you say spotters, you mean people around the track? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a, a there's a tower, yeah, above the track, the highest point typically of the racetrack, and there's people up there mm-hmm. that are watching, watching the car at its every move, what's around it, um, getting on and off pit road, and avoiding accidents when something's happening bad ahead of you. They can, you know, brake, duck down, go left, stop, you know, accelerate, things like that. So, um, just giving information that you just are incapable of of seeing yourself right there's a lot of weight and responsibility on you as a leader and and there's just things you're you know like sean said if you if you're you're orchestrating all of it you can't be the person in the back making sure all the strings are wound the right way for the guitar section you know like there's just certain things you just can't do um but when you have the right people in the right places you can you can still navigate those those issues that come up right and, and David, like our job is to build the fastest teams on the planet, right? And that only mm-hmm. happens, like I said, by hiring the right people and those people working together. And, you, you know, it's, it's, it's in the aggregate, right, of all these great ideas and people smarter than Mike and I and all that. You know, one thing we talk about all the time is that no one wins alone, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you are unwilling to hire people more intelligent than you, that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're mm-hmm. trying to win alone. You're trying to... Um, be the point man for this great thing that's going to happen so that you can you can garner all the acclaim right and that's just not it, it, it's it's just not the way that successful teams do it the decision to not hire somebody who's more capable smarter more adept than you are may also point to that that might be ego driven right but mm-hmm. it may also point to a leader not exactly knowing how to coordinate a group of people who are like that, right? There could be a somewhat realistic fear that, you know, in this business culture where the, where the oldest or most experienced doer of a thing becomes a manager, that's a really treacherous and unhealthy transition because one day, you know, you're, you're using your knowledge and experience to, you know, sell software and you're quite good at it. And then 
the next day, you have to manage people who are selling software. And you have to manage how those people interact with, you know, IT and human resources and scheduling and vacations and hiring and firing. And that's a, that's a really difficult transition. And it becomes more challenging, I think, when you're faced with this idea of, well, maybe I should, maybe I have this opportunity to hire somebody who's smarter than I am or moving faster or something like that. And there's a, there's a real fear, fear there. I think that we should at least give a nod to this part of business culture that it, it doesn't do a lot of good for leaders, especially new leaders. They just don't have the training education background to pull that off. And sometimes that leads, leads people to make mm, not the best decision. Right. And David, I think that fear is, is the, fear, the fear of ineptitude, right? That they'll be inept you know, mm-hmm. around these highly intelligent people. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we all feel inept at, at times, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if, you're, if you feel inept and you're not willing to settle for it, you're going to work on your tools, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's only when you make peace with mediocrity or that, oh, I'm inept, okay, and, and you settle, that's when it's going to become a problem. But, I mean, these intelligent people are going to challenge you, right? Is it going to get uncomfortable? Yeah, but you're going to grow as a, as a leader because of it. And, and like I said, if, if all it does is make you improve your tools, um, you're going to be a better leader because of it. I think that's a perfect mindset. And I almost feel like I want to say something like, I wish that mindset were more prevalent. But it kind of reminds me of people who are, are willing to be very aggressive or rude when they're inside a car in traffic, but they're not in person. And that's sort of analogous to the leader having the ability to change somebody's assignment, deny their vacation, give them the lousy account, whatever the, the version of control is. And that's a really difficult position to be in. I don't, I don't think it's good. And I think you're absolutely right, Sean, that when people reach their limits, the best thing is to figure out how do I extend those limits? How do I learn more? How do I execute better? But I don't think that happens all the time. Well, no, because we have this fallacy that we think that we're just going to move up and it gets easier. Right? There's nothing. <laughs> yes. you know, we talked. I think one of the early episodes we talked about how everything great in life lies on the other side of hard. Yeah. Right. So it's just it's reestablishing your relationship with hard things. Right. It isn't going to get easier. Mm-hmm. Right. So figure out how you can get comfortable with the hard things, and 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 being challenged by intelligent people is one of those hard things. Mm-hmm. But it is paramount to the success of your team. People love to use the words, you know, adaptability and, you know, agility. That's what it, that's what this is. (laughs) It's, uh, it doesn't necessarily come easy. You know, there's some, you know, stretch assignments. There's, there's growth that has to occur. Um, but it's, but it's possible. And before I forget, uh, you just described David, 80% of race car drivers. There are, uh, the toughest guys in the world behind race cars, but once they get out, there's a a lot of them, it's a different story. (laughs) Yeah, they shed the 3,400-pound suit of armor. <laughs> and they're not quite as vocal as they are on the radio during the race. It's fun. Right. Yeah. I think another practical reason, you know, when we talk about hiring somebody that's, that's smarter than you or more capable than you are and giving them the 
ability to engage and own their jobs, and obviously a leader's job is to coordinate that. If you don't do that, and they're not that engaged, just on a practical sense, employee turnover goes through the roof. It's two to three times higher when engagement is low. And Mm -hmm. turnover is incredibly expensive depending on you know how you slice it and slice it and dice it and where the employees are in the in the corporate ladder it can be anywhere from half to five times their salary to replace them so there are really good practical reasons why if you're in a leadership position that you should embrace these things you should you know okay so this is difficult fair enough figure out a way how to deal with it. There are a lot of resources out there to get help. There are places where you can find methods and tricks and tips and reading that you can do that makes hiring somebody smarter than you less uncomfortable and more successful for everybody. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is correlated, but I was thinking about, um, Sean, you, would, would Brooke be probably the, Smartest guy we've hired. Only rocket scientist, so yeah, I would yeah, I'd say he's, he's probably up there. He's probably up there. <laughs> so he he comes in as a kind of the athlete route, wants to be on the pit crew, and we kind of just stumbled onto the fact that this guy was an actual rocket scientist. Like he, we were trying to work on something one day, and everybody's and he just comes out of the blue with these, you know, this these answers that were that had depth and solutions, and we're like. What are you, like a rocket scientist or something? Like, where is this coming from? And he was like, like wait, what? <laughs> you're, you're, that was a joke. You actually are a rocket scientist. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, after trying to get on other teams and different things like that, I mean, I think the guy kind of dumbed down his resume a little bit just to kind of fit and, and not fully express, you know, what, what he's capable of. And, I think a lot of people, um, you know, you, you do your research on the company and who's going to interview you and think, and think and what the culture is. And, and if you kind of get a win that, you know, maybe I should kind of water myself down a little bit to get the gig, you know, that's not really moving the needle. That's not that's not coming in, hitting the ground running and and driving the business forward. And so. Um, you know, we're glad we got him. We're fortunate to, to be able to now. I mean, he's one of our go to guys for anything that's like, all right, this is an important topic. I'm like, all right, I'm, we need to get Brooke in on this. And so um, the more Brooks, the better. You know, it's just my advice to anybody listening. Are you guys starting an interstellar race car team? <laughs> no, all, our guys, our guys, um, probably most advanced notion of science is they always ask him if he knows how to make a baking soda volcano. So no, we're a long ways from that, David. (laughs) You know, as an aside, I, I actually, one of my teammates was a rocket scientist, uh, back in the day, but he never would tell anybody. And I, I feel like there's this consistent theme that if you're actually a rocket scientist, only the people you work with know that everybody else thinks that you're not somehow. Yeah, I, I think SpaceX is changing that narrative, though. They get 500,000 applicants a year, and mm-hmm. it's because kids wanted to say, yeah, I'm a rocket scientist. I'm a literal <laughs> rocket scientist. I work 80 hours a week, but I'm a rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I like Eric Schmidt. He, um, 
I don't know if anybody has heard of it before, but he started this company called Google. Um, he has this thing that he sort of quoted on being a very intelligent lad. He says, hire people who are smarter and more knowledgeable than you are. Don't hire someone you can't learn from or be challenged by. And this sort of goes along with your, Sean, your ideas about Lincoln, which I think is a very intelligent way to do it. But I also think that this idea of like showing people on your team or in your company that that growth is part learning and we can learn by adding really high value people to our team. I think that's really, really critical. And it just, it just accelerates growth and success and development and innovation at a much higher rate than, well, if you don't. For all, right? Grow the pie. Don't fight over the slices. Grow the pie. That's what hiring intelligent people is. It's, mm-hmm. it's taking, like you said, leveling up your business because you have better people in it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, we go back to the, you know, be the conductor. Orchestrate this thing, right? And, and you're, not, you're not going to get a tuba player that sucks, right? You're not. Why would you yeah. do that? Your band's going to be worse. The music's going to be sour, right? Mm-hmm. You're going for brilliance. And um, again, we just got to, you know... That the leaders listening to this just have to have faith that that's the best way to do that, right? There's plenty for all of us, and there's going to be more for all of you if you go after intelligent people. So let's flesh that out a little bit more. I'm listening to this. I'm a leader. I've got hiring and firing decisions. I feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. Somebody comes in who's actually really great and... Uh, if I get to admit it anonymously, could probably do my job in a heartbeat. How do I get to the point of being a better conductor of the orchestra? What are my What are my steps to do that? I, I think it, it's the. I think the first step is to quiet down your story. Right, all the self limiting beliefs are going to come in right away. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I um, you see that all the time, right? We, Mike and I have worked for bosses that uh, um, didn't even have, you know, uh, high school educations. And they mm-hmm. would shrink in certain situations. And I remember asking one of them, and it's, it, it was because, uh, well, you know, I didn't finish high school and you guys went to college, right? And, and I think as a leader, you know, like I've even seen that sometimes where someone went to college, but, oh, you went to Dartmouth, right? Like that's, that's, that's a story in itself. It's bullshit. Right? Like, I'm not intimidating anybody when I come into a room. They're like, wow, this guy. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, but I think that's our fallback, right? We instantly, we instantly take on all these self-limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if we, just, if we just, again, quieted down the story just for a second and thought it instead about what this person could take from us and really put our focus on what this person can build or bring for us, mm-hmm. it becomes a, a much easier decision. But again, like you talk about ego, your ego has to be well-heeled. It has to be in a good place mm-hmm. um, for, for you to take that step. Mm-hmm. The first thing is, is quieting down those uh, self-limiting stories, which I think is a good step, probably a good step for all of us and almost everything. Um, what else would you suggest? 
I was going to say, you know, shift shift your perspective and uh, all of, you know, we can't do any of this alone, right? So whether that's a mentor or a peer that's in the same position who is doing that, getting feedback from them, like, how are you doing this? How How is it working for you? What steps do I need to take? Um, so I think, you know, peer learning is always super, super valuable. But again, it's helping you get a perspective that this is a good thing, like, there, there's no threat here, right? Or I need to at least ease off the idea that this is a threat. The one thing that I was thinking about was, and I, I, you know, probably my last music reference for today, but I was watching this uh, documentary once on like different types, types of uh, classical composers. And mm-hmm. they were showing the, the, the guys that are like, you know, just they're, they're literally dictating every note for everybody. I mean, you, if, if they weren't watching him, this thing does not work. And then there were, mm-hmm. there was kind of like a style that was a little more in the middle where they're just kind of giving you the, maybe the start of the chord or just kind of the baseline of it. And then at the very end, they showed the guy, a guy who had put so much work in with this group that by the time they got to their pr- production, he just kind of like, got them started and then just faded away. Mm-hmm. And I think that hiring smarter, I think that's the last guy. So you're going to have to, as a leader, you're going to have to work hard one way or another. Right? <laughs> I mean, there's no way around that. When we hire smarter, when we take that time to find those right people that have emotional intelligence and qualifications, but integrity and collaboration and character, all those things that we've talked about, you're doing a lot of that work on the front end. So then on the back end, while the course is playing, that frees you up to have the creative liberty to drive the business forward. And we talk about this all the time. You doing your job isn't making you a better leader. You doing your job isn't necessarily moving the business up, right? And so that takes time to be able to plug, step away, like Sean said. It, it, you need that time to be able to think, you know, which most leaders can honestly say they don't have. They get in on Monday and it's just calls and emails and meetings till Friday. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's just I'm, I'm just trying to paint a picture of a, like a of, of a different way to do it. Um, freeing yourself up to like drive your business, to innovate, create new ideas and pathways and platforms. So I, I think that all starts with perspective. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that last conductor really exemplifies there's there's this thing that I like to do with some leaders especially in these kind of situations is to go back to your go back to your goals Mike in your case the goal would be you know a flawless performance of a certain piece right yep you go back to your goals and figure out what are the things that need to happen to reach that goal Right. And you can break that down by, you know, musical instrument or you can break that down by department or employee and then figure out what your job is in relation to how those people work together. Right. And you're right that if in a if a team works really well together and you have to take the day off. The business doesn't have to close. If you micromanage (laughs) or you have to, if you're one of these leaders that, 
you know, tells every subordinate that they need to blind copy you on every email that you send because you're going to check every single email and then comment on their communication, it's, you're not going to get that flawless performance. Mostly right. because each individual employee is going to be more worried about what his or her boss says about the email that they're sending out than the actual final goal. So, you know, one exercise, and this can be a, this can be even a private exercise for a leader facing a hiring decision and trying to figure out between different candidates is to get out a pen and paper and write down everything that that team or that group or that business needs to do, how these jobs are coordinated, their responsibilities, and what your role is in it. And you can see, kind of like what you were saying, Sean, that if you add better performers, the pie gets bigger. It's not perfect. Sometimes if you hire somebody and they're really good, maybe they get a little bit more attention than you be used to experiencing in the company, but add some more really high performers and help, for God's sakes, help them do their job. Give them what they need so that they can perform the absolute best in their area. No, I, I agree. I agree. Truly understanding, you know, the needs of your company, what, what, which of those needs are unfulfilled. Right? There's no sense bringing in someone that's intelligence, uh, intelligent at uh, math if you're not using math in the company, right? Like, like understand, like Mike said, there's emotional intelligence. There's all these different avenues that people are brilliant at. Make sure that when you're bringing the person in, um, that it's it's something that is going to elevate your company. You know that 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 highlights a blind spot that fills a need. You know I think that's not just intelligence. You know not just hey we're looking for the the best SAT scores in the country. That's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're talking about complementary pieces to our business. Yeah, and we're definitely not talking like anybody who's listening to this. We are definitely not saying hire people because they're smart or because they're smarter than you because that is that is almost the the opposite message that's not something that is additive to the team we're talking about if you're the head of IT and you're interviewing a, a candidate and that candidate has achieved more or has figured out something that you haven't figured out or can do you know your old job better that might be somebody you really want to look at carefully. I mean, you, you know, you got to know where your gaps are. I mean, that's so important, right? If we, if we, if, you know, you're a tech startup and your software platforms are great, but your sales teams are missing it because maybe, the, maybe they're knowledgeable about what they're selling. They just don't have bedside manner, right? Or <laughs> the empathy of being able to respond to what the client base that you're trying to build your relationships with is, right? Well, then you need to have more empathetic people there, right? And maybe the knowledge of the software isn't as important, right? And so it's just, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's having a real look and a real audit and understanding with, with honest feedback of like, all right, where, where are we missing it? Where do we need to improve our corporate intelligence level like where is that mm -hmm. like you know i think that's a good benchmark for everybody to kind of know like are we a a are we a b are we a c and and mm -hmm. where what part you know if, okay we're a c so how do we get to b 
Is that through empathy? Is that through qualifications? Is that through integrity? Is that through work ethic, right? So is that through diversity, different things like that? So I think, I think just to your point, I've rambled enough, but yeah, it's just knowing where those gaps are is, is huge. The other thing I think this touches on too is um, something that I find myself saying an awful lot in the last few months, and that is confidence and humility are not the opposite of each other. You can have confidence in your leadership skills and what it is that is your job on that team and also be humble simultaneously and recognize people's abilities or achievements or contributions and hold those two things at the same time. I had somebody say to me the other day that the last thing that he ever wanted a business owner to be is humble. Hmm. Interesting. And so we had a very interesting discussion about, well, you know, take that bus to the end of the line. How does that, how does that work out? How do you add good performers to your team if you're not humble? Right. Right. And, and I think, I think the, the right people are, are a mix of that, right? Like we, we, the, the most, the, the, the most intelligent people I know and truly intelligent people will never make you feel less than, right? They don't speak yeah. over you to sound, you know, you, you know, like more intelligent than you. They don't, you know what I mean? Like they, the truly intelligent ones never have to prove they're intelligent, mm-hmm. right? Like, like I, and, and I think of the people in my life that I truly think are intelligent people, never once, you know, it's, it's like just talking to the three of us. Right. And, and, but they do that because there is humility coupled with that intelligence. And, and like you said, I think that's a great point, David. I think, you know, those two have to be partnered when they come through the door. Mike, did you notice that, that he said it was just like talking to us? So obviously we're not yeah. in that group of intelligent people. Well, I you I, are. I don't know, Mike. Like, Mike, yeah, are you nah, both? I'm uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be in that group. Race to the bottom. (laughs) So we talked about controlling your ego. We talked about some practical steps about trying to figure out how the organization works, how your team works. Talked about getting help, which I think is a massive thing for a leader, not only in hiring, but in virtually all aspects of what a leader does, especially in this weird business culture tradition where if you're the best salesman, you get to be the head of all the salesmen and you go from selling to managing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a really tough, really tough transition. The three of us could talk for hours. The only thing I wanted to just throw out there was for the, the people who work for the, the people that will not hire people that would be quote unquote smarter than them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hang in there, keep your tools sharp, and be ready. Um, we had a situation where um, there was somebody who was underneath somebody thinking that they would never be able to move any further, and then kind of, uh, you know, a little a freak incident happens, and then now this one person is now in this spot that they thought they would never be in. But mm-hmm. we had multiple conversations, hey, you you just never know how life's going to shape out. That person could get fired, moved, transferred. Somebody that worked for you could get a job somewhere else and then bring you in. There's uh, all kind of reasons for, for us to not show up and, and keep pushing. But um, one of the things, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to say is like, if you if you think that or feel strongly 
that you have the ability to do something at a higher capacity. Don't let anybody take that from you. And, and even if no one's giving you that opportunity there or that shot, show up each day like the, like it's a real possibility. Keep putting that effort in. Um, you won't regret it. I agree. I have a picture on one of my boards that I'm that I look at routinely that says luck takes discipline. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, yes, be prepared, because the other thing that I always say to my kids and I realize how much I talk about the things that I've said to my kids, I hope they forgive me someday, is that you never know what's going to happen when you wake up in the morning. Yep. Like you think you do, but like think, think, of, think of our lives, whether it's, you know, in a hiring situation or whether it's personal or whatever, our lives are defined by those days that you wake up and you get to the end of the day and you're like, Wow, that was fucked up. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I think we have brought this around the bend. So we appreciate you listening. And until next week, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, y'all.